Father God, what a great what a great truth to know that you live, that you are with us, that you love us, and that you have uh, paid the price to set us free, to set us free from the guilt of our sin and our past, and to set us free from uh, from our slavery to uh, old habits and old lives, and to set us free for a glorious future of eternity with you. Father, thank you that. <laughs> That's a, that's a three-way gift that we, uh, that we live in because of your grace. So because of your grace, uh, we live. Because of your grace, we love you. And because of your grace, we want to now listen to you and learn from you. In Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Good morning. morning. Alright, open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Philippians 4, 8, and 9 today. Two short verses that are packed with a lot of wisdom for this whole thing that we've been talking about in Philippians 4, which we showed you a diagram a few weeks ago as to what the big idea of Philippians 4 is really all about. And it looks like this. And it looks like this. There we go. Three rings. There we go. Oh, oh, back, back. Here we go. Back one. There we go. I knew it was up there. Uh, Three rings of what I like to call authentic anytime joy. Not just a fake pseudo type of happiness, but a joy that flows out of three things. Number one, having peace with God and knowing God is at peace with me. No matter whether I've had my best week of my life or the worst week of my life, God is at peace with me because of what Christ did. And that flows into peace with others, that we know that in relationships we can have peace. That we learn how to resolve our conflicts, as it said in Philippians 4, to... To, uh, to live in harmony with one another, to live with a gentleness of spirit. Those things that we studied in Philippians chapter 4, verses uh, 4 and 5, chapter 4, verses uh, uh, 2 and 3, actually. And now, today, we're going to continue on this concept of how does this peace with God, which has to be the anchor, so don't leave that behind, and the peace we have in relationships, how does that flow into peace with life? with all the circumstances that life throws at you? How do you experience joy? How do you experience a sense of peace that's beyond what we learned from Ryan last week, actually, surpasses human comprehension? It doesn't make sense that you can have peace in the midst of the problems that we encounter. How can you have that type of peace instead of anxiety? How can you have contentment instead of greed? How can you have confidence instead of always questioning, can I really do this? This is what God wants me to do. These are the topics that Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 19 begin to unpack for us. When you think about that kind of peace, I think if you took a survey of humanity, there's not a person that would turn that down. I mean, who wouldn't want to live daily with a sense of peace with God, peace with others, peace with life? So why is it so tough? Well, it becomes tough when... Life happens. Life happens. And life is full of all kinds of things that begin to disturb the peace, you might say. Anxiety goes up. Worry goes up. Usually anger begins to go up. At least it does in me because I'm first I'm worried about something. And I think, well, who caused this mess anyway? Which gives me a chance to get angry and frustrated with someone else who caused the mess. I get angry with other people. I get angry with myself at times. That's a common thing because I say, I caused this mess. Becky gets angry with me. She says, you're right, you did cause this mess. 
not often, but sometimes, you know. So, so now I've got anxiety, and it begins to upset my peace with life and even my peace with others because now I've got someone to blame. I've got someone to be mad at. And then ultimately I think, you know, ultimately, why didn't God prevent this mess? And I get angry with God. Now, I don't really want to say that out loud, but I get frustrated with God. If you want to read a book that will help you go deep on this subject, uh, Philip Yancey, a number of years ago, wrote a book called Disappointment with God. I think it's a must-read for Christians that want to live in the real world and relate to a real God and build a real faith. Disappointment with God. So there's a blast from the past in terms of book recommendations. So I get anxious, I worry, I get angry, I get frustrated. Now I become bummed, I become depressed. A few bad days begin to be a few bad weeks, or even worse. And all of a sudden, I don't have a lot of joy, I don't have a lot of peace. You ever been there? See, it's so easy to cycle down into that. So as we go on into Philippians 4, what have we learned so far? Let me give you two things we've learned. Number one, the promise is clear. That joy is always available. The promise is clear that joy is available. This is just by way of introduction. By the way, we always give you a cool outline for taking some notes, so be sure and pull that thing out. It'll really help you today especially. But we do know that peace and joy are available. Verse 4 said, rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. That's, it's the always word that makes it tough. Verse 7 said, pray like this. And Ryan last week unpacked for us that great passage that says, be anxious for nothing. It's the nothing word that makes it tough. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, bringing your request to God with thanksgiving, praying with thanksgiving, and the peace of God that surpasses human understanding or comprehension will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Great verse. Great verse. So you tried that. And sometimes it's still not working. So God knew that there's more to this pursuit of peace. It begins, number one, it's clearly promised. Number two, it begins with the discipline of prayer with thanksgiving. That was last week's message. Today, we're going to continue on to the next two verses, learn two more things, not one, but two more things that contribute to this battle that we wage trying to maintain the peace with God, with others, with life. Let's listen to the passage first. Let's read it together. Look at your word. Look at the word. Here we go. Finally, brethren... Whatever is true, verse 8, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good reputation or good repute, if there is anything of excellence in your life, anything of excellence, anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. And the things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. The God that gives peace, the God of peace, the God that's the source of this peace will be with you. So what do we learn? Well, the first point is already on the screen. So that's 
how they sometimes keep me moving on. Here we go. The battle for peace is waged in the mind, not the emotions. We tend to think that the battle for peace, the battle for having a sense of joy and peace in life, is is an issue of trying to control our emotions. But this passage does not tell us, you know, whatever is happy, whatever is joyful, whatever is this and that, let your mind dwell on these things. It it has another list entirely, which I'll bring up in a minute and show you. See, a joyful heart begins with a disciplined mind. We tend to think the feelings that we experience, that we have to change the way we feel. Here's my experience, and I'm not a psychologist, so those of you that are can talk to me afterwards if you want to correct me. But it's my sermon, so here we go. And that is, my experience is this. Life happens, and I feel. Life happens, and I feel. I feel something in response to what's going on in the happenings of my life, okay? And to a large degree, I really believe both of these are out of my control. Now, there's things in life that are in my control, but I'm talking about the part of life outside of my control. All of a sudden, boom, it just happens. Bad news happens. Good news happens. But a lot of times, life happens, whether I want it to or not, out of my control, and I have, and I have a feeling, I have an emotion, I have worry, I have anxiety, I have anger, I have depression, I have feelings, and, I kinda, and, and these are kind of out of my control. And most people feel like, you know, I, I, I can't help myself because this happened. So we blame what happened for our feelings. You know, why are you feeling this way? Becky might say to me, Dale, why are you so sad? Dale, why are you so this? You know, well, because this happened. So we kind of simplify life. Life happens and I feel and it's out of my control. So that doesn't give me a lot of hope. Now, let me show you where the hope comes. This passage is teaching something very different. Here's what it's teaching is actually the truth. Life happens. I believe something about life and what's happening. I have thoughts about those. I think about it. I talk to myself, even in my mind. I kind of reflect on it, talk about it. I call it self-talk. So I have a little chat with myself in my mind about what's happening. And, and, and then I decide what to do. And I, take, I do something. I, you know, I, I take actions. And then I feel. And I really think that's a more accurate description of what's going on in our lives. That it's, it's a sequence, okay, in general. That as life is happening around me, things are either going good or going bad. I have beliefs of what I believe about my world, what I believe about my life, what I believe about my God, and where he plugs into all this. And then, and then my beliefs especially begin to shape how I think, how I think about God and life and what's happening and other people and everything else and what I should do and how I, you know, and then out of all of that, as I'm... As, as my beliefs and my thoughts and my actions play out, I have feelings. I have feelings like anxiety and anger and worry and things like this. You see, what we do believe about what's happened, about God, about life and everything else, in the end begins to affect very much how I feel. So if you want to change the feelings... I said, I said a little bit ago, feelings are out of my control. I think to a large degree they are. If I just wanted to just tell myself, feel happy, or stop feeling sad, it, I, I just can't do that. Now, I can change what I'm thinking about, 
And that might begin to change what I feel. Better yet, I can reflect on what I really believe is true about my life and about my circumstances. And then what I believe begins to change how I think and how I think begins to change how I act. And how I, as I change how I believe and think and act, all of a sudden, guess what? Joy is available. Peace is available. And I think that's what this passage is teaching. You say, Dale, how do you find that in this passage? So let me now go into it and begin to unpack it. Look at verse 8 again with me. He says in verse 8, finally, whatever, whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, of good reputation, good repute, whatever is excellent, excellence and things worthy of praise, dwell on these things. He's talking about where we focus our minds. So in your outline, the next point of the outline, if you're tracking with me, is number one, know the battle for peace is waged in the mind, not the emotions. Therefore, be careful how you think, choosing where your mind dwells. Now this word dwells is a, is a fun word in, in, the, in the Greek language. It means to take up residence. In other words, where does your mind hang out? You know, what's the neighborhood that your mind hangs out in as you're beginning to encounter life? And, and there's two different neighborhoods that you can hang out in. And the first neighborhood is a list of eight places that if you focus there, you dwell there, you focus your thoughts there, they produce peace. So for peace, let your mind dwell on, and here are, here's the list of eight. God says, dwell on the true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, good repute, excellence, worthy of praise. Now, this just sounds like a verse that ought to go on a coffee mug. But how do you take it out of being coffee mug theology into your theology? How do you begin to put this into practice? I think one thing that helps me is to realize, so I think I pretty much do this. And then I say, well, what's the opposite of these terms? So I played a little game and thought through based on the meanings of the terms, what the opposites are. So here's another neighborhood you can hang out in. I'm going to let my mind dwell on things that are false, sinful, wrong, impure, unlovely, disappointing, things that are worthy of complaint instead of worthy of, of, uh, of excellence, and things worthy of criticism instead of praise. Because the opposite of things that are worthy of praise, for example, would be what's going on in my life that's worthy of criticism. You know, and, and if I hang out here, I lose the peace. Anxiety goes up, anger goes up, because, you know, and, 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 and any of these will rob you of the peace that God wants you to experience. So it helps me sometimes when I'm studying the Word to think through, okay, if that's, you know, go back one slide. If this is the neighborhood that we want to be hanging out in, then how do I spot when I'm not there? And, and it's whenever I'm hanging out in a, in a place that's described as there. Next slide. See. You know, I, I've never done a sermon from the Fun Factory, by the way. This is a first in my entire life. I'm, I'm heading into 39 years of being a, a pastor. And, uh, and now I'm a part-time pastor and, and missionary. So I, I've done a lot of this teaching. But this is the first time in the Fun Factory. I, I kind of like it. I could leave this up for for a long time, especially while we're talking about joy, okay? So anyway, it's kind of like preaching from bug life or something. Bugs life? Is that? Okay, anyway, that's me. If one of those starts moving behind me, though, would you tell me, please? Okay. 
Becky was telling me this week that uh, when she heard a message on this passage years ago, um, I think it was by a gal named, a Bible teacher by a gal named Kay Arthur, that she used to say that this passage uh, gives me a grid through which I should be frisking every thought that wants entry into my mind. That when I begin to think about something, I begin to think a certain way, I need to, I need to ask myself, and again, go back one slide, ask myself, is, are, are, are my thoughts focused on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, etc., worthy of praise? And if not, entry denied. You know, it's kind of like going through TSA. I mean, tomorrow, Becky and I, by coincidence, go through TSA. Now, I am so thankful that God has allowed us to be on this little thing called pre-check. Anybody else loving pre-check? Yeah, I love pre-check, you know. You know but, 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 but especially before being pre-check, man, you know, you got, they, they want to they wanna frisk me, you know, not literally, you know. You know they, 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 I'm not good looking enough to be frisked. But, but, they, but, they, but, they, but they want to... Uh, they, they, you know, they want to check out everything carefully to make sure that only the appropriate stuff gets on the plane and not the inappropriate stuff, you know. So I got to empty my pockets, put it in a little thing, pull out my laptop, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, take your shoes off, take your belt off, you know, everything, you know. And, and, and you know, they want to look through my hair to make sure I'm not hiding something. That part goes quick. And, uh, but anyway, you know, so tomorrow she flies to Australia to visit our new grandson. Did you know I had a new grandson? Yeah, I should have put a picture up, but I forgot that. Forgive me, Jamie. But yeah, Jamie and Tom in Australia just had their first baby. So we got, so my daughter Jamie is a, is a new mommy. You know, you know new mommy syndrome? That's how I describe it. Okay, you know, the new mommy is like, you know, uh, okay, no, can I stay in the hospital for a month? You know, you know where I got the full-time assistant and the, the, the experts. And they got experts for everything now. They got a lactation expert. I won't go into that, but, you know, I mean, they got, they got experts for everything. You know, whereas it used to be, you know, you, you go out, you're working in the field, you have a baby, you go back out the next day, work in the field. You know, but that was the old days, okay, when my wife had her children. But, uh, <laughs> no, but she had me. Now, do you think that helped? No. It's like, you know, I'm already taking care of one baby. Would you grow up? That was, you know, anyway, we won't go there. Bad memories. Bad memories. But she goes to Australia. She'll have to go through this whole security thing where they're checking out carefully that she's only allowing on the plane what is good, what is okay. At the same time, I get on a plane, same airport. I go the opposite direction to Africa. She'll be 15 time zones away in Australia. I'll be 10 time zones away in Tanzania teaching pastors, so pray for me this coming week as we have a chance. Next Sunday when you gather, I'll be preaching in a church in Arusha, Tanzania. So as you think about that, pray for Becky and I. Pray that she's able to help our daughter survive the entry, the first month of uh, parenthood, and pray for me that I can help pastors survive ministry because it's tough painful at times so we'll be doing both of those um, and then later I'll actually fly to Australia and join them so that's called vacation so I'm looking forward to that but both of us they're going to look through everything to make sure only the good safe 
good and acceptable things go on that plane. You've got to think of your mind. Like the thoughts that come into your mind have to be treated. They have to be screened like a pre-check. But no pre-check. Don't do the pre-check thing like, oh, whatever comes in is okay. You know, don't do the pre-check thing, man. You've you got you to do the full body scan, you know, get in there, put your hands up. It's like this, right? Okay, you learn the position, right? John, you know this kind of stuff, yeah. So you, you, you want to do the full scan of every thought and reject that which is not good. Throw it away. So what are these things that we need to be focused on? Let me very quickly hit the list of eight. Number one, what is true versus false? I really believe this is probably the more, most foundational of the rest of the list. Because what is true often leads to what's worthy of praise and excellent and good and, and pure and lovely and moral instead of immoral and pure instead of impure. So you gotta, you got to start here. I don't think it's any coincidence that the Apostle Paul said first, whatever is true, whatever is true. Now, when we think of the concept of truth, what do you think he's talking about? Uh, I think there are several different ways in which the word could be used here. Number one is uh, the truth of God's word. What is true about God, about life, about you, based on the word of God? And we know that from other passages. For example, write down Proverbs 3, 1 through 3. Read it this week. Proverbs 3, 1 says this, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. And then he goes on to say, And do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them as a tablet on your heart. In other words, know truth well enough that you don't have to look it up in your Bible. As you're doing life, it just comes to mind because it's in your mind. It's dwelling in your mind. It's not dwelling just in the Bible. You've taken truth from the Bible and, 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 um, and digested it and, and let it live within you. See, it's why when I think about, okay, how does God want me to pray? When I'm feeling anxious, what should I do? I don't have to look up. Hey, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, but do it with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God that surpasses human understanding will guard your heart and mind, Dale, in Christ Jesus. I don't have to look that up. Because when I was a college student, I worked a night job one, one summer in which I was a night watchman. Now, I, it was an important job. It was a power plant that was being built. The biggest coal-powered, sorry about that, but clean West Virginia coal. <laughs> Let me just be clear about that. We have better coal than elsewhere. Okay. A biggest coal plant east of the Mississippi. Things under construction. I'm the night guard. I get to wear a uniform shirt, and I am well-equipped to defend that plant. I had a whistle. Yeah, whistle. They wouldn't even give me a club. Okay, but I had a whistle I could blow if something was going on. So all night long, I'm having this whistle, and I'm walking around the plant. And then between doing walk-arounds, I literally would sit on a big old expensive toolbox full of welding equipment and guard the area with my whistle. 
So what do you do when you got eight hours from 11 o'clock at night to 7 a.m. in the morning to sit on a toolbox? It was not allowed to read. That would distract you from guarding the toolbox with your whistle. So I wasn't, you literally were not allowed to read. If they caught you read, you'd be, you'd be fired. But what they did say was okay was I had these little cards in my pocket of verses of Scripture, and I did Scripture memory all summer long, and I was paid to do it. It was the coolest job. But, I, but because of that, that, even that one summer, I learned that verse that I just quoted. I learned this verse that we're studying today. So some of these truths, you've got to memorize the Word of God so that the truth of God's Word dwells in you. It doesn't dwell at church with Pastor Dale because I'm not around to talk to you when life happens. No one is. So at the moment life happens, learn the Word of God. It will give you peace if you reflect on it. Also, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So especially Jesus Christ, who he was, what he did, how he thinks, how he loves you, his presence is part of what you dwell on, what is true. It's the word of God. It's Jesus, the living word of God. And also it's reality, not speculation. I think you could also do T, truth with what I call a little T instead of a big T. In other words, focus on what's really true, not just what you speculate about. Because a lot of my anxiety grows about me speculating what might happen that hasn't happened, and I don't know it's going to happen, but I worry about it anyway. See, that's focusing on speculations and fears instead of what's the truth. Well, the truth is, this is where I am today. I may not like it. This is what's going on. Now, what's the truth from God's word? What's the truth about Jesus Christ and blah, blah, blah? And you focus on truth, and you will be amazed at the peace that it generates. Let's roll on, though. The other ones I'll hit a little more quickly. What is honorable versus sinful? Honorable versus sinful. You know what I've noticed? When I tolerate sin, and at times I do, I'll have a thought, and it, and the thought is maybe a, a sinful thought. Uh, you know, I, I'm like any other guy. I, let me just pick on, let's, let's talk about either anger towards someone that's wronged me, uh, lust sometimes toward the opposite sex or someone, um, you know, or uh, things like that, whether it's anger or lust or, uh, or greed. There's another one. You know, for me, it would be, would be greed. You know, say, I, I really wish I had that instead of this. That's newer, nicer, better. Okay? So, you know, whether, whatever the sin is, here's the deal. When I focus on something that's sinful and I let my mind dwell on it, yeah, I really deserve that. Well, you know, I mean, good grief. If he has that or she has that, I, do, yeah, I deserve that too. You know, so when you focus on anything that is sinful, you lose the peace. So it's an incredible robber Sin, always in the end, it may give temporary pleasure, but it robs you of peace. And when I deal with that and say, God, I'm sorry, I confess that. I shouldn't be thinking that way. And I refocus my mind on what is not what honorable instead of sinful. What is right instead of wrong? Very similar statement. What is right? What is righteous? What is good? What is just and pleasing to God instead of what is wrong? What is pure instead of impure? That's another one. What is pure instead of impure? And again, impure things will rob you of peace. It's one of the reasons why, by the way, that 
For example, one of the epidemics in our culture is pornography, especially with the access to it through all the, 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 you know, smartphones do dumb things. Can you say that with me? Smartphones do dumb things, yeah. And this is one of them. So, that's good. That's not even in the sermon. I need to write that down. Hold on, just a minute. Smartphones. Okay, do dumb things. Okay, I don't want the second service to miss that. Okay, yeah. Thank you, Lord. But when I focus on impure thoughts sexually, if I begin to, to you know, it, it, it robs me of peace. It robs me of peace with my life. It, 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 it creates all kinds of artificial images of the opposite sex that are not true. And, you know, and it begins to create dissatisfaction and, and lust and, 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 and that kind of stuff literally will rob you of peace. So focus on the pure, not the impure. Here's a verse from Proverbs to back this one up. He says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Stay humble. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Sinful things, evil things, impure things. Turn away from evil and it will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. What's he mean? He doesn't, he's not talking about literally he's going to strengthen your bone mass in your body. He's not talking about increasing the calcium level in your bones. I love that. It's going to renew the body. It'll be ref- and refreshment to your bones. In other words, down inside. So if you want to experience peace, focus on the pure versus the impure. The lovely versus the unlovely. Everything you experience in life, there's usually some things about it that are lovely and beautiful, and there are things that you don't like that are, that are unlovely. I mean, this past week, in fact, even today, uh, someone mentioned to me, man, this humidity has been terrible. Now, my family just visited, Becky's brother and his family just visited from West Virginia. They were with us for about 10 days during the humid season of San Diego. And as soon as they heard the news, we have a humidity alert. They laughed. (laughs) Because they had just come from West Virginia where you see the water in the air on a sunny day. I mean, they've got 95% humidity in the summers, and they live with that all the time. And and they're here in in San Diego and having to put up with 79-degree heat waves. Wow. You know, so here's the deal. How much time do you set and just think, you know something, the weather stinks. Instead of thinking, you know something, on our most humid day of the year, we are way better off than where I'm headed in Africa. We are way better off than where I grew up in West Virginia. We are definitely way better off than the state of Florida. (laughs) Amen. Any Floridians here? Yeah. How about Texans? Anybody from Houston? Now they know humidity, right? Right, you haven't had a Houston humidity day ever in San Diego. It just doesn't get up here. So the point is this, you know, it's 30% overcast. What's that mean? 30% overcast, which means it's 70% sunny. So, you know, where's your focus? Focus on that which is of good repute versus disappointing. Of good repute versus disappointing. You know, this good repute often refers to relationships and people, people of good reputation. Focus on the good reputation side of people instead of the bad. You know, this is one thing that frustrates the heck out of me in terms of politics and the news and 
everything else is no matter what party you're from or whatever, you know, basically watching the news is asking this question. What really happened this year that was today that was really lousy? You know, tell me all the bad news of the day. And virtually good news goes underreported if reported at all. Maybe at the end of the news they say, oh, by the way, here's the good news story of the day. You know, a fireman in El Cajon rescued, rescued a cat out of a tree. Hooray! You know, and that's it. You know, but, but they're not, people don't ever. Our culture is a negative culture. So just be aware of that. God says don't put your focus there. Put it on things of good reputation. Excellent versus complaints. You know, if I focus on what is excellent, in fact, let me combine the last two. If I focus on what is excellent versus what causes complaining, and if I focus on what is worthy of praise versus worthy of criticism, that's number eight. That's the eighth pair. Um, it's, it, changes, it changes your focus. There's all kinds of things in life. Some things big things, some things little things. Um, I told you about one of our little things two weeks ago. So let me give you just a little update. So two weeks ago, I talked about needed hot water, needed a shower. Remember that? Hot water broke, got it fixed, got plenty of hot water now. That's great. Showers broke, <clears throat> got to fix the shower, right? So, you know, sure enough, after preaching on it, I had to go fix it. So, so yeah, we found a plumber, took us, okay, God, and he changed my attitude, got a more positive attitude about this thing. Uh, thank you, Lord, that we even have the privilege of having a shower. A lot of people in this world don't do that, ever. And we have clean water. So even if it's not regulated in temperature the way it's supposed to be, I'm okay. So I had got a real good godly attitude, so I found a, a plumber, and the plumber looked at it and said, yep, this is what it's going to cost. That was part of the bad news. I went down again, and then I realized, okay, but God has provided the money. I'm not like, you know, I, I can't, oh, I just can't pay that. So, so you know, um, my attitude went back up. So we, <clears throat> we went through the process, got a couple bids, Got the plumber all lined up. So, okay, now we're getting ready to leave town. We got to get this done before we leave town. So we had it all booked about a week ago for the plumber to start. He's going to start. I call up the plumber. Well, I can't come today. Blah, blah, blah. I've got this conflict, that conflict. But don't worry, Mr. Burke, we'll get it done. No, trust me. Okay, I trust you. Okay, next day. How, so next day, doesn't show up again. Next day, I call him and I say, hey, I need to know what day are you coming <laughs> You know, how clear can I be? Blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, um, let me get back to you. Okay. About 14 text messages and seven phone calls later, I hear nothing. Nothing. He ends up being a no-show. He ends up being a no-show. So don't ever call. Let me give you his name. <laughs> Whatever is worthy of praise. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. But, you know, first of all, I went through the whole week, and at times, I just let it control my emotions. It controlled my wife's emotions. It's like, but we're trying to get packed. We're trying to get ready to go out of town for about three weeks, and, 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 and we've got to get this done. We've got to get this done. And then finally, we realized, you know something? We don't have to get it done, you know? Because the good news is, it'll still be there in September. <laughs> I learned that showers don't disappear. See, what is true? What is true is we don't have to get it done. What is true is we can live with it the way it is for another month. What is true is in our life, we like to get it done so it's off of our to-do list. But you know something? 
why are we letting this cause anxiety? Now that's a simple and maybe a trivial illustration. But there are things in life that the bottom line is this, when that, the way we were thinking and believing about our project, our beliefs was we want it when we want it and we're paying for it so we deserve it. So I deserve good treatment. I deserve good service. Amen? Do I hear an amen? Yeah. See, so it's really I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. And it's like, well, but the one who deserved no ill treatment at all, died for my sins, gave me life, is with me, promises take care of me. And guess what? I'm still clean. My shower still works. It just doesn't work perfectly. That's okay. That's okay. You know, and, and if it's not done on my time schedule. See, I think all of us have these expectations for other people to do things in our time schedule, in our way, and to, to do it right. And there's nothing wrong with wanting that. But guess what? When it doesn't happen, how do you think? What do you believe about it? How do you think about it? And where do you let your mind dwell? And it was just this great release to just say, you know, God, there's some weird reason you want, you want it to be done in September. Maybe God wants it to be done by a different plumber that we're going to have a chance to meet and get to know who needs to hear about Christ while we build a friendship. Maybe, you know, so God knows things I don't know. So, you know, when I began to change my thinking about it and I plugged God's presence and his purposes into it, God must have a purpose. All things, God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's a promise from God's word. That's true. When I focus on truth and when I focus on what's worthy of praise and I plug God into what's going on, guess what? Wow, God, thank you that this guy was a no-show. I don't know what you protected me from. He could have screwed it up. So God, thank you for the no-show plumber. Will you pray that with me? Thank you for the no-show. But now, say it again, but plug something else into the blank instead of plumber. See, what is it in your life that you're stressed over? Got it? Now I just want you to pray under your breath. God, thank you for the blank or the blankety blank <laughs> depending how bad it is okay <clears throat> so what are we talking about are we just talking about the power of positive thinking i don't i don't that's not what i'm teaching um, pure secular psychology often talks about the positive power of positive thinking which is be positive in spite of your reality just don't let yourself think negative thoughts what we're talking about is the power of Christ-centered thinking, which says be positive because of your reality in Christ. Because of the reality. Your reality involves the presence and the power and the promises of God. The Creator God for the heaven's sakes. And the one who died for you on the cross and proved His love for you. That's what all these songs are about. So that's why we sing those, to help shape our thinking and our beliefs. That's very different from just the power of positive thinking. 
But then verse 9, which I chose to not focus on nearly as much this morning, actually adds one more important step in this process. Number one is be careful where your mind dwells, what neighborhood your mind hangs out in. Got it? Number two, be careful who you follow, choosing your godly teachers, mentors, and models. Be careful who you follow, who you look to as an example in life. I want to be like them. And the reason for this, I think, is because life's deeper, most important lessons are often more caught than taught. Notice what he says, Philippians 4, verse 9. Read it again. He says, And the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, they've been watching the Apostle Paul, listening to him. The things that you've learned, received, heard, and seen in me, Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, you know what, what this tells me is this. It, this is not an easy, one-quick-step process. What it shows me is that life's deeper, most significant lessons are usually as much, they're more caught than taught, as you watch real people deal with real life in the right way. And when you watch real people deal with real life in the right way, now it's not just a religious theory based on the bible you've actually said and by the way it works because i've seen it work in his life and her life and other people that are real people that are fallen and broken like me and make mistakes like me you know it i've seen them have peace in the midst of problems and therefore i know it works what he's talking about is there is a legitimacy and a need to imitate people as well as imitate christ now that may sound like heresy until I read these verses. Here they are. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. So imitate God. I exhort you, therefore, be imitators of me. Same author, the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 4.16. But then he brings it, the two thoughts together in 1 Corinthians 11 when he says, be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. So it's okay to imitate Dale, but only imitate Dale when you see him doing what Christ would want him to do, handling life the way it ought to be lived. Don't imitate me when I'm, when I'm messing up, unless you imitate the sense of confession and humility that maybe hopefully grows out of it. But, but the point is, Paul says, yeah, imitate me, just as I imitate Christ. So our ultimate role model was always Jesus Christ, but all of us need real people in our life that can model real faith and what it means to walk with God. We all need, as I said earlier, godly teachers, mentors, and models. But you've got to choose. Be careful getting sucked into a culture that admires the wrong people. Because next thing you know, you begin to think, I need to be like them. Last but not least, He says, as you watch these role models, practice what you see. Practice these things. And by the way, the implication there is just do it again and again and again. So learning to live this way, trusting God in the midst of your problems, guarding the mind carefully, watching the right role models is not something that happens overnight. It's a lifelong learning process that takes practice to really learn to walk with God over time. 
you got to practice it. Which also is encouraging that when you fail, because practice is all about learning from your failures, not just your successes. you got the grace of God that lifts you up, forgives you, and gets you back into the practice session again. Because sometimes it takes a lot of practice, at least in my life. You want more peace? Pray with thanksgiving. Focusing on who you are in Christ. Your identity in Christ. Pray with thanksgiving. Guard your mind. You got to frisk it at the door. You got to take it through the TSA screening process. Is this true or not? Is this good or not? Is this worthy of praise or not? If not, throw it into the trash can. Don't dwell there. Be careful what neighborhood your mind hangs out in. And then find some good models and watch them. Learn from them. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for the uh, truth of your word. Wow, God, you... You really challenged me this week as I looked at this and realized how often I let my spirit or my attitude get off base. So I pray, Father, that as we even now return to worship, that we would not just uh, randomly sing words, but we would reshape our beliefs, reshape our thoughts about you, even reshape what we do whenever we're under stress so that you might take the happenings of life and produce joy and peace instead of anxiety and anger. So would you do that for us in Christ's name? Amen.